for hurting here today. Be hurt. I'm just going to ask you to have courage and you just stand where you're at right now. Just stand where you're at. And we want to come around you and we want to pray for you. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. look around. There's people that, there's stuff going on. We, can we just get up and be mobile, and can we just go and be with and stand with and love on and hug, and let's just, we're going to pray, but will you just go over and just put your arm around and embrace someone, and let's just be the body of Christ right now, and touch and love and minister to. Hallelujah. Pray with me this morning. Father, for every need that is represented, great or small, God, you know, and you are the one who sustains, you're the one who helps, You're the one who loves. You're the one who embraces. You're the one who supplies for every emotional need that we have, every difficulty, every sorrow, every grief. You've paid. You've paid. And you have experienced and you know, Lord, every feeling that we have navigated or are currently navigating. God, you know how we feel. Jesus, you have been touched with every emotion of mine. And you are able to minister to us in our time of need. Thank you, Father, that by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ who dwells in us, we can have comfort beyond comfort. We can have comfort beyond words. We can have peace that transcends understanding. Father, may you administrate that comfort, that grace, and that peace to us. The grace and the peace. May you bless these that are going through difficult and heartaches and hardships. Lord, again, even as no matter what the circumstance, Lord, you know the details. Now, Father, will you bless and help and guide us and direct us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. Amen again. Love on someone as you're finding your seat this morning. Feel the liberty to move your stuff. If you want to go sit by someone, who maybe is just having heartache, feel the liberty to do that. Praise God. Praise God. Some of you have seen the news this past week. A young man in the Gresham area was shot by police officers and has gone to be with the Lord. What he felt years of age, what he felt part of our family. In, in our service, he gave his heart to the Lord. Certainly is here, and certainly is Brady's girlfriend, and Donnie, and Kirsten, Sarah, and just want you guys to know we love you, we're praying for you, and uh, we're believing God for his grace and his mercy. I'm asking our congregation to pray as um, the service is on Tuesday, and uh, I'll be officiating the service. There will be those there that don't know Christ. It's an opportunity for them to respond to God's grace, His love, and His mercy, and so I invite you to be praying with us. The service is at 11 a.m. in the morning, and so I ask that you would do that. Um, And... uh, Kristen and Donnie are sitting in the back row, and uh, certainly they're on an end as well. Um, Be sure to love on them today if you have opportunity. I want to invite you this morning as our study is in the book of Revelation of all places. We're in Revelation chapter 18, and it's an interesting chapter to be looking at uh, a couple of things that we're going to look at this morning. And really, at the end of the day, what my hope is for all of us is that um, two things, two things that we would take away today. Two things. Number one, that we would be less worldly-minded and more kingdom-minded. That's one. Less worldly-minded and more kingdom-minded. We would all probably have a resounding, I need to be less worldly-minded 
and I could stand for a strong dose of more kingdom-mindedness. The second thing, and a very interesting, if you will, attachment, and because we're coming out of a text out of Revelation chapter 18, but that we would hear the voice of God more clearly. How many of us here would like to hear the voice of God more clearly? Yes. And to know that it's God, that it's God. And so, turn in your Bibles with me uh, to page 1091 <laughs> for Revelation chapter 18. We'll read the first eight verses. Um, for the totality of this chapter, in a week, next Sunday evening, we will be doing a verse-by-verse study through this chapter tonight. There is no service. Um, so let's read together. It says this, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest ye share in her sins and lest ye see of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she had mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, and I am no widow and will now or will not see sorrow. Therefore her plague will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord that he will save. So Father, in these next few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, we would ask, God, that you would help, and Lord, that we would draw from the word of God a truth that is applicable in our lives to this very day. So, Lord, will you be glorified and will you uh, draw back to the place from which we hear in your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said a strong amen. Amen. So, those two thoughts. Me, you, us, becoming less worldly, and that I might hear the voice of God more clearly. One might say, how are you gaining this from this text? Well, what we have in Revelation chapter 17 and Revelation chapter 18 is really, in a nutshell, and again, I won't go into all of the detail because time won't permit this morning, but what we are looking at is we are looking at the collapse of the systems of this world. We saw a couple of weeks ago in Revelation chapter 17, really the fall of the religious systems in this world. Remember that the church has already been removed, so the people of God, the body of Christ, have already been taken out, and we're in the midst of the seven-year tribulation period, and there has now been a collapse, if you will, of this religious system, this worldly, religious, false religion that is predominant in the world and through the ages. And what we find in Revelation chapter 18 is a collapse, if you will, of the systems of commerce. This commercial Babylon details out in Revelation chapter 18, verses 9 through 20, how the world mourns for the fall of Babylon.
listen, when the stock market fails and when the stock market falls, there is in the world a sense of grief associated with financial collapse. Now, the reality is every one of us is impacted by commerce. Whether we recognize it or not, if you had an alarm clock that went off this morning, it's indicative on a number of fronts. Number one, you probably pay an electric bill or somebody at your residence does. That's commerce. That clock came from somewhere. You probably purchased it or someone gave it to you as a gift, so someone purchased that from a retail store. That's commerce. That retail store got that clock from somewhere. It was shipped into them from someone. That's commerce. Someone manufactured and put all those pieces together. There were a group of men or women on an assembly line, and they put and snapped those pieces together. There was a testing crew who made sure that it was working. That's commerce. All of those employees received those raw materials shipped into their manufacturing plant from somewhere. That's commerce. All of those raw materials were manufactured from something. That's commerce. All of those employees got to work that day or those days, and they probably traveled, traveled by vehicle or some public transportation. That's commerce. Somebody made those vehicles. Somebody had to put the fuel in the cars and the oil in the cars and all of those things, and someone had to process all that stuff. That's commerce. Someone actually dug some of that petroleum out of the ground. That's commerce. And that was just for your alarm clock. You haven't even actually got out of bed yet. affected a lot of people. Does that make sense? I mean, we are impacted. Now, the thing to recognize, and what I would want us to absolutely grasp today, that there is, albeit the necessity of commerce, commerce should not rule your life and mine. We should not be consumed the material world. Does that make sense? Now, I know in every one of our hearts and minds, we would say in our ideal self. You all know what your ideal self is, right? My ideal self is what I want to be, what I project to others that I am. And we would say, man, I'm not materialistic. And we would all want to profess that. In fact, if you were asked by someone, well, are you a person of materialistic, are you a materialistic person? Are you engaged in all your stuff, that you absolutely love your stuff? You'd probably say, well, you know, I have things in my stuff. Well, I certainly have some stuff, but it, my stuff doesn't have me, and you'd come up with maybe some clever cliches, and you would be like identifying, this is the ideal. This is where I want to be living. But in reality, sometimes where we live, it could be a chasm between the two. Does that make sense? Yeah, we get things out of perspective, get things sometimes out of priority. We get things confused. Let's face it, materialism is thrust into us. We are being communicated literally everywhere we go with materialism. Wealth, amassing of riches. Hey, after all, we deserve it, right? Isn't that what the message is? I mean, from the very hamburger you might buy, you deserve a big today. At McDonald's. <laughs> the idea there is material, material, material. And here's the thing. The systems of this world, the Word of God says, are passing away. And so, and the commercialism. Listen, if you read verses 9 through 20, 
you would recognize that at least 28 different substances that are used in commerce are even referenced. He identifies all of the merchants are mourning for the collapse and failure. And here's the deal. Why do they fail? Why will they fail? The reason is, is who is in charge? The systems of this world, the kingdoms of this world, who is in charge of them? Who is the king over the kingdoms presently in this world? The Bible describes him as the prince of the power of the air. Listen, when Jesus was led out into the wilderness, you can read about it in Matthew chapter 4, and Satan tempted him, Satan tempted him and offered him all of the kingdoms of this world. How could he offer them if they were not his to give? Why will they fail? Why are they going to fail? Why should you and I have less focus on the things of this world? Listen, they're built upon sinking sand. They're passing away. All of the things that are in this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, they are not from God. They're from this world, and this world is passing away. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. Do not love this world. In fact, we're told, if you have a love for the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Ouch. Ouch. I mean, let that resonate for just a moment. So, two goals to be for us to really be mindful of. I, what I would like, and today, if you're, if you're a note taker and you're just writing some thoughts down, today, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at chapter 17, and it was overcoming a religious spirit. If I could give a title to today, it would be overcoming a materialistic spirit. How to overcome materialism in a materialistic world. There's a popular pop singer called years ago. I, I would say if I could just give a couple of transformational thoughts. Hear these, hear these thoughts real quickly. I think these will be helpful starting points for every one of us. And if already you're thinking to yourself, I'm exempt from these words or disengaged if these words don't apply to me, it's probably indicative of how much these words are important for you. Does that make sense? This is not time to check out. This is this is this would be like, this is important. And you say, well, I, I'm kind of already past the starting point, TD. Yes, perhaps in many areas of your life, but maybe in some other areas, no. So the first thing, as a just a transformational thought, acknowledging that I am part of God's kingdom. I want you to think about that for a moment. Look this way just for a second. You and I, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, you are part of God's kingdom. God's kingdom. That's, that's not any kingdom on this planet. Now, the kingdom of God is in us, so in that sense it is on this planet, but represent a king whose kingdom is somewhere else. We're Christ's ambassadors. Okay? So, the rules of the kingdoms of this world, they don't apply to us. Because we're part of another kingdom. The scripture says our citizenship is where? In heaven. So, the rules of God's kingdom in heaven are the rules that apply to us. Are you with me? Those principles, those precepts, they apply to me. They are the promises of God contained in the word of God. These are the ones 
that rule and reign. I am no longer and you are no longer under the law of sin and death. We are under the law of life in the Spirit. Those are the rules that we are engaged in. Therefore, we are not a part of these systems, if you will. I am a part of the kingdom of God. Will you just say that with me? If your faith is in Jesus this morning, will you just say that with me? I am a part of the kingdom of God. Okay. Now, we also recognize that the exact opposite of that is true. They're diametrically opposed, but I am not part of the kingdoms of this world. Now, let that resonate for a moment. Not part of the kingdoms of this world. And yet, there's a lot that we're involved in or engaged in and that we can get delusioned by and become part of. And it can take precedence. Listen, when Jesus talked and gave the parable of the parable of the sower, Sower, a farmer goes out to sow seed. He broadcasts the seed. Some falls on the path. Some falls on some stony ground. Some falls on some weedy ground. And some falls on some good soil. What is the condition of the soil? And he describes some of the things associated with the soil. And he says it's the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches that choke the word out. And let me tell you, that is the systems of this world. Does that make sense? And they will choke the word out. So the believer must acknowledge, I'm not a part of that. That's not my deal. Now, being kingdom-minded will likely alter goals in life. It, it could alter our goals. Now, it doesn't mean altering our ambition, but I would say to everybody in here, it could alter your destiny in terms of what you do. Because some sitting in this very room they have the call of God upon their lives. Some of you may have already been wrestling with and trying to convince God how he has not called you. And let me tell you something. If the call of God is on your life for vocational ministry and the longer you fight it, the more dissatisfactory, if that's a word, it is now. <laughs> Dissatisfying. Dissatisfactory. That's a good time the more dissatisfying your life will be. And if you're here and you're discovering you're miserable, you might ask God about it. Are you substituting something to cloak the misery? All right, those are just little thoughts. The second thing I would say, first is acknowledging that I'm part of the kingdom of God, therefore not kingdoms of this world. The second is to acknowledge that the things of the kingdoms of this world, they're passing away. They're passing away. So no matter what house you end up with, or if you end up with a house, no matter what kind of sofa you have, no matter what kind of chair you have, no matter if you have an ottoman or don't have an ottoman, no matter if you have a tree stump or no tree stump, no matter what you have, no matter what car you're driving, if you're driving a car, or motorcycle you drive, or a scooter you ride, or bicycle you pedal, or skateboard you, <laughs> whatever your means is and are, these chairs you're sitting on, this floor, these buildings, these lights, screens, and music equipment, fill in the blank. <laughs> it's fuel for the fire. This world is passing, and it will be refined by fire. So whatever we're amassing, whatever we're building, whatever stuff we're doing, at the end of the day, 
it's going to just be closed. Now, that might put some things into a little bit different perspective because the things that will last are the things that are done for and in and through the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And that's important because we're part of the kingdom of God. Right? That should matter to us. That should matter. What's God's kingdom? So the two other thoughts I have, number three, discovering what is the kingdom of God. What is it? What is its purpose, its vision, its mission? And fourthly, what's my part in it? I've said this before, the the three greatest days of a man's life are the day he's born, the day he's born again, and the day he discovers why he's both born and born again. Because once you discover what your purpose is in the kingdom of God, man, life is, no matter what happens in your life, life will be fulfilling because you will be serving your king. You won't be, look at the person next to you and say, I love you a lot, but you know what, I'm not doing this for you. I mean, I love you a lot, but I'm not doing it for you. It isn't about the person on the right or the left. Now, the good news is we get to love the people that we get to do the kingdom stuff with. And we have to navigate that love piece sometimes because some of us aren't very lovely or love-worthy. <laughs> but nevertheless, we get to do this together. But the idea there is that we are doing it for our king and We are being reminded in Revelation chapter 17 and Revelation chapter 18 that this stuff is going away. And it isn't about it. It is not about that stuff. So, how do I get my head, my heart, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen, now this is just a principle, and it's a truth. I say just a principle. This is a principle, period, and a truth. If your treasure is in the things of this world, where will your heart be? in the things of this world. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But if your treasure is in the kingdom of God, we become interested in the things of the kingdom of God. The man or woman who puts their money in the stock market, guess what they check on the internet first thing they do in the morning? How are my stocks doing? They pick up the paper. How is my money doing? treasure in the kingdom of God, guess what you'll do first thing in the morning? Check the internet. Now this isn't about the Bible over here, but people begin to pray for the kingdom of God. Because they're thinking about it. They're thinking about it. Does that make sense? This is not a a message about tithing. It's not a message about money. It's It's a message about the heart. Does that make sense? It's about our heart. Where is our heart? Where's our heart? if our heart's in the stuff of this world, it's in the wrong place. Hello? If it's in the things of this world, it's in the wrong place. It's high time that the church of Jesus Christ gets its heart out of the world and gets its heart in the kingdom. So, those four thoughts Acknowledging I'm part of the kingdom, this, the earthly kingdoms and the worldly kingdoms are passing away. What is the kingdom of God? And what's my part? Now, I recognize these are passing thoughts, and we won't be able to address each one of these on a single Sunday morning because some of these thoughts are so magnanimous, they'll take 
sneak one in. But here's the thing. It's for the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's for the glory of kings to search the matter out. If you are trying to discover what the kingdom of God is, I invite you to open up the New Testament. Read the New Testament. Read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Listen to the words of Jesus because he talks about the kingdom of God. He talks about the purpose of the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ said he came to seek and to save the lost. Right? You want to know what the kingdom of God is? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus' life. My prayer, these few thoughts here, as we meditate on them, we would become less worldly minded and more kingly minded. Now, you say, how are you getting that from Revelation 18 and what we just read? Babylon has fallen. These systems have fallen. People were mourned. If you look at verses 21 through 24, it's the finality of the finality of those systems. Let me read those few verses. Then a mighty angel took up a stone, like a great millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman in any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of the millstone uh, shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For your sorcery and all uh, all the nations were deceived. By your sorcery, uh, all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and all who were slain on the earth. So it's its final destruction. It's done. It's done. Those, those systems will come to an end. Does that, everybody, everybody get that for a moment. Just kind of nod your heads. I can see with your, your heads and nods. They're going away. Now, uh, what I want to do, because the, the second thought I have, that first that we would be less worldly-minded, more kingly-minded. I, I hope even right now that when we just talked about and looked at maybe some reprioritizing, the Spirit of God was speaking to you in your heart like He speaks to me sometimes. Or may, maybe there's some adjustments. Man, my, my brain has been in the wrong place. My thinking has been in the wrong place. Maybe you're hearing me say, I'm slave to the lumber. I, if I wanted to put my resources into the kingdom of God, I can't because I'm slave to the lumber. Well, change. It's not over. How about working that off so that you'd be in a place where you could do what you want to do in your heart or what the dream is that God's putting in your heart to do? What is it? Man, get freed up. I mean, that's a biblical principle right there in, in and of itself, isn't it, in terms of our own commerce. So we should not be slaves to anybody. Get debt-free. That's a good plan. Can I hear an Amen. Let's read the first eight verses again with this rhetorical question. What do you hear God saying? What do you hear God saying? Now, we won't be able to survey everybody. There's a generality here, but what do you hear God saying? Let's, let's read together. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven with, a, with great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive her of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her 
as she has rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works, and the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment in Christ. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, and I am no worse, and will not see sorrow. Therefore her pleasure come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord's God who judges the earth. I think verse 4 is the piece that we might resound and say, I, I ask and fear the Lord saying that. It says this, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my what? My people. My people. Lest you share in her sins. And lest you receive her plagues. Now, the people in Revelation chapter 18 will be tribulation saints. People who find and put their faith in Christ during the tribulation. And there will be a call for them to withdraw. But there is a resounding message for you and I. That is a practical truth that can be applied today. In fact, turn in your Bibles real quickly. Just back up a few pages to the left to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I think this is where I want to be. Yes. Second Corinthians 6. Write this down. Verses 11 through 18. But it says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Pay close attention to this. Think about where your affections are today, as I think about where my affections are. He says, now, in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Let me just stop right there. Do not be unequally yoked. Period. If your main source of influence is someone that is not equally yoked with you in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are yoked to the wrong strong influences in your life. Does it mean that you cease to have relationship or friendship with them? No, it doesn't mean that. It does not mean that at all. In fact, far be it from us to be that way. But our influence, we're not to be unequally yoked. In a relationship, you young people who are dating, do not be unequally yoked. I invite you to not date. I invite you to court and do something in a more biblical way. I dated when I didn't know the Lord. And let me tell you, that's a training. It's a training. The world's way of doing it is a training. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you, dating is only something that has occurred in the 19th and 20th century with the advent of the automobile. It has not always been that. And I will tell you, and you can slap me later, but in reality, arranged marriages I'm, I'm just I'm telling you, they have the highest success rate. It's the real deal. I suppose there's another few sermons in that. I won't touch that today. <laughs> but it's the truth. Listen. Mamas and papas and young people. If you do things the way the world does, guess what you will end up with? The stuff of the world. In many ways. Uh, let me just say this. Do you know back in the day, 
reality. But here's the deal. Some dude wants to date your daughter. Young ladies, I'm going to look at some of you young ladies. Here's a couple of young ladies. Here's the deal. Some guy wants to date your daughter, Dad. He's got to show up at your front door. You open the door. You see him. You have the opportunity to just close the door. And he's like, he's like, all right, I'll take that as a no. And let me tell you something. You show back up on the front porch, he's going to send out sisters, brothers, teach you a lesson. Don't come up to our front porch again. You've got the answer, and the answer is no. The door stays open. Now come the words. Uh, Hello, Mr. So-and-so. My name is David Morris, and I was interested in dating your daughter. (laughs) The door could get closed at that point. But if there was an approval, the only way it occurred was under the father's roof. So you'd be invited to dinner, to be in the home where the family was, where the brothers are. And guess what, young ladies, if you decided that you were going to pretend and be something that you're not, your brothers would call you out on the carpet. What's up with that? What are you talking Stop pretending. Stop pretending. Stop trying to show off and be something that you're not. Why? So that that guy doesn't end up being surprised later. Vice versa. We're going to find out who this dude is. And let me tell you something. If he's getting fresh with this daughter, grandma's going to sit in between the two of them. <laughs> That's right, Mom. Amen. <laughs> I'm just telling you, there is a better way of doing it than what the world has established. Now, we talked at some point. Some, I mean, I how I got there, I don't know. Sorry. So here's the thing. God says, "Come out, come out, come out." Listen to the scripture again, 2 Corinthians. He says, do not be unequally yoked, verse 14 in 2 Corinthians 6, with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come out and don't touch the unclean. Listen, that has recognizing Jesus... The Word of God tells us that we are in the world, but not of this world. The problem in the kingdom of God and why there's less power in the kingdom of God is we're in the world, and we're also part of the world in many cases. And it might just be compartmentalized portions of our lives, but we're engaging in the things of this world, and we have no business engaging in those things. Do we engage with the people that are in the kingdom of this world? Absolutely. Absolutely, Jesus, he hung out with sinners, but he was not engaging in their sin. So, how does that resonate with hearing the voice of God? Well, we reread the chapter, and I hope as we reread those eight verses, not the whole chapter, but those eight verses, that you heard the hymn say, that other angel came out and says, come out from amongst them. Because we hear that. Because he said these words, my people. 
hear the words my people meant my residents. I'm part of his people. Come on. I'm his tribe now. So I want to take my marching orders from him. Does that make sense? Okay. So here's just a couple of The word of God is living and active. God principally speaks through his word. People will often say, well, I've been praying about some things and I'm not hearing from God. I want to encourage you to open up the Word of God and listen as you read. Now, I was praying in the back this morning, and God dropped in my heart, there's brokenness in the church. There's brokenness. And I, I just felt an overwhelming emotion. And I'm like, Lord, help me navigate this. What is this? What are you saying? And John came back in the back, and as soon as John sat down in the back, I... I began to just see, run across my face, 1 Kings chapter 17. And so he started to talk, and I said, just a minute, just a minute. And I grabbed my Bible, I opened up 1 Kings chapter 17. And there is the story of this woman who is got a little meal, a little oil, and she's collecting up sticks to make the last meal for her and her children, and then wait one verse that just described that. Now just, just imagine for a moment what this woman was going through in her mind. She's collecting sticks to build a little fire. Would you like to join me up there next time? Lori and Ted, yes. She's collecting sticks to make a fire. And she's got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil and she's going to make her last muffins for her and her little children and they are going to Simply wait and die. Can you, mom, can you imagine what she's thinking? What the heartache, the despair, the discouragement, the, I mean, absolutely end of the rope kind of stuff. Those of you who love kids, you can just imagine seeing these children and they're about to eat their last meal. saying that because I felt God wanted to say to us He knows where we are. And some of us are at the lowest low of the low. And God sees me there. And do you know that in this amazing lesson that the man of God communicated the grace of God and said the meal will not run out. Bring me the pig. And she brought him the pig and gave her last loaf of bread to someone other than her own kid because she believed. She believed. And God supplied. The meal did not run out. The oil did not run out. So, God knows and God is with me. Here, here's the thing. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude with this because... In, in my heart, I want us to know that Jesus is speaking. God the Father is speaking. The Holy Spirit is speaking. And He's speaking to us. He's speaking to our hearts. And it's rich. And what He says is so very life-giving. I said three weeks ago that from John chapter 8 through John chapter 10, five, four times, Jesus describes his conversation in a matter of speaking with the Father. I reviewed it again this week, and I think it's actually five times he talks about his communion with the Father. His communion with the Father. And here's the thing. Jesus, at least a half a dozen times, Use this phrase, I must, I must. He said to his mom, did you not know I must be about my father's business? Let me ask you a question. He was 12. How did he know that? I think that's the default answer because he's Jesus. 
Because listen, here's the thing. I, I'm, I want you to just resonate with this. Ask yourself, how did he know? And here's the thing. Keep this in mind. Jesus was fully man. He's fully man. We'd say, well, he was fully God. And yes, he was fully God. But the attributes of his God nature, he set aside. And he lived as fully man. Now, we can't comprehend it in our finite minds because he was fully God, but yet he did not draw from that. He couldn't disown his nature, if you understand what I'm saying here. But he didn't draw from that. He, he was a baby. He was like Riker. He had to learn. He had to learn like a little one. And he had to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with both God and with man. He had poopy diapers. I went to church on Sunday morning and the pastor said, you know, Jesus had poopy diapers. <laughs> Don't let that be the one thing you take away, right? Here's the deal. He did. He probably got sick and threw up. All those natural things, he, he has been touched with everything we have. And he's able to help us in our time of need. Now, I say that to say this. When he went to pray, it's not as though in some reports we'd say, well, he didn't have a sin nature. Yes, that is true. He did not. But can I suggest to everybody here, your sin has been forgiven. You have been justified. God sees you as though you've never sinned. Our problem is we let our sin get in the way because we just let our sin happen all too often. Does that make sense? And so we cloud the knoll. Jesus, how did he know? Because the Father told him. The Father told him. And he responded. He, how about this? I must go through Samaria. It doesn't exactly say it. You have to read the text. I think it was uh, John 4. Wait a second. You read it, though. It's just must go through Samaria. How did he know that he must go through Samaria? You can't just default and say, well, he's Jesus. He's God. He knew. No, 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 no. He was showing us how we could live. Are you tracking with me for a moment? The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God who dwells in us, he will show us the things to come. Now there's some supernatural living must go through Samaria. He gets to Samaria. They're standing at the well, and the brothers, I love it about the, the disciples, the disciples are like, so anyway, uh, let's go get some food. Here's the deal. Thinking about the natural. Let's go get some food. So they go off to get some food. Jesus is sitting at the well. Woman comes to the well. He says, uh, can you give me a drink? She says, she engages in conversation with him. And I won't go through the entirety of the story. Again, you can read it in John chapter 10, and I encourage you to do so. But it's very interesting. As he's engaging, he said, woman, if you knew the one who was asking you for water, you would have asked me for some water, and I would have given you water, and you would thirst no more. For the water I give will well up inside of you and become living water. And she says, oh, give me some of that water. And he says, okay, go fetch your husband. She says, I don't have one. He says, you're right. You've had five. And the man that you're with now who has you is not your husband at all. And she's like, uh, proceed yourself. And it's interesting how he says that. He says, in this you show the truth. So it's very possible the other conversation she's been having, she's been portraying the ideal self. Anybody identify with that? You know, I step on a brass tack, right? Yep, yep. Okay. I don't have a husband. Yep, you said that too. But what you do have is a step above that. At the end of it, she goes, she gets to town, the town comes out, and there's a quite a harvest. But you ever ask yourself, how did he know what was going on in that guy's life? How did he know there was five husbands? How did he know that she was living with some other dude? How did he know that? 
But then we can't just default that zero because he's God. We have a fellowship with the Father. The brothers show back up while he's talking to the gal before she goes back to town. And they're like, why is he talking to this gal? She's a Samaritan woman. And they're like wondering. And so she, at that point, leaves to go back to the town. And they said, uh, so Jesus, you should eat some food. And he says, I have food you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Where did he get that food? How did he know the will of him who sent him? Here's the thing. I hope this, I hope that baits you. Because every one of us want to hear the voice of the Father. And he's already given us instruction on that. He said, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place. If you want to stop wanting, start going, right? If you want to say amen, I mean, you, maybe you're already going there. That's great. Praise God. Keep going. Don't stop. Stay longer. Listen. And as he points things out, confess. Get rid of the stuff that might hinder your ability to actually hear what he might be saying to you. Now, you go into your room, he may not show you something magnanimous right off the bat, right? He might just show you something about you. Our obligation, responsibility, is to obey. To obey. Okay. 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 That's, it's, it'll mean change. He'll mess us up. Because what he'll start to do is he'll start pulling some of the worldly stuff out. You may identify with that. Where the Spirit of God touched you and said, right there. And they're like, no, that's not why I came in here to pray. I was complaining about this person and their attitude and blah, blah, blah. He's all like, the problem's you. You. They're like, God, Sisters of this world are passing. Let's be less about the world and its systems and more about the kingdom of God. What does God have for you in his kingdom? What is it that he wants you to be? You know what? Read a little bit about Jesus and start being like Jesus a little bit more. Right? If every one of us in this room acted a little bit more like Jesus, I have to tell you, the world in a few of our lives and people around us would be begin. They'd be, we'd see more change in their lives. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's let's see that. All right, Jesus. What? Not name husbands. Love your wives. Every wife said, "Amen." It might be, love your neighbor. When we argue, <laughs> you're heathen on your own. <laughs> when you go to the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Do you, you see what I'm saying? God's speaking. Are we listening? Okay? So that's one of those things. Then, in terms of just adherence, let's make ourselves available to the Father. Going in like Jesus did and with expectation, Father, Will you speak to me? Will you show me maybe something I'm supposed to do today? And if you just get a prompting in your heart, you may start to do this. Hey, go do it. Now, it won't be something that violates the Word of God, but just go try. Here's the deal. If it was totally wrong, like you're supposed to go buy Pastor Dave some mint chip ice cream with briars on it, I will tell you that won't be wrong. But... <laughs> You may discover that's wrong. That's probably not God. Because you know and I know he needs no more mint chip ice cream. So the point I'm making is he may tell you to go do something that seems extraordinary. Like pay for the meals of the car behind you in the driveway and say nothing. He may say, run your card the pump for the person in front or behind you until they tell me. He may say something just outside of your box. Pay for their groceries. Buy them a meal. It may have nothing to do with money. It may just be, will you just go put your hand on their shoulder 
and say, God loves you. It could be that simple. Does that make sense? Let's just simply do that. Let's start there and watch what God does. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Did it get warm in here this morning? blessing, less worldliness, more kingdom of God. What does that look like in my life? What's that transformation piece? What's my, what's my starting point, so to speak? And then an opportunity to hear. We heard this morning he said, come out. He said, come out. Don't touch that, un- don't touch that unclean thing, lest you participate in the sin. How many of us recognize and we would acknowledge, we'd say, man, I'd like to be sinning less, right? I mean, everyone here, we'd like to be sinning less, right? Well, he may be saying, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't do that, don't do that. And some of us would say, well, what about those rules and regulations and so forth? We're talking about things that are not issues of conscience here. We're talking about things that are definitive. Not a one of us should be engaged in any level of fornication. Not a one of us should be engaged in any level of adultery. Not one of us should be engaged in any form of licentious living. Right? You know, if you if you got areas that are difficult for you, if your thought life is in the wrong place, if you have uh, internet issues, if you have phone issues, or whatever those are, hey, start there. We'll show you holiness and righteousness, because out of that, other people will see the victory. it is that we're living that overcoming life and that will be our opportunity to say it isn't anything innate in me it's Jesus it's Jesus Father thank you for the word of God thank you for the truth contained in your word thank you Lord that out of Revelation chapter 18 the fall of Babylon we could discover that we ought not be worldly in our living while we're here but we should be about the kingdom of God and that we can hear what the Spirit is saying, and we can respond. And so, Lord, help us to be more attentive, to be more obedient, and to be more about the kingdom. We love you. We ask your blessing and benediction. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said a strong amen. Amen. Go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Remember, no service tonight. And if you'd like to help us tear down some curtains and uh, some chairs, we would be happy to have you help. God bless you.